All right, everybody. Are you ready for a spectacular show? Introduce the original bad hombre, the amazing nerd, the hardest working Antifa boys on George Soros's payroll. With Pablo Morale Martinez and Ernesto Mancibo, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. Oh, man. So welcome, everybody. I'm Pav. And I'm Ernesto. And you're listening to the Robots vs. Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. And today you're listening to the genteel sounds of us speaking to mics at a medium pace. Just like NPR. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's been. Uh, hold on, I need to take off my part of my cans for a little bit because I'm just like I can't hear the the timbre of my own voice. <laughs> I should probably get like I should probably set up my my headset so like I can actually hear my voice as I'm recording. But uh, hmm. I'm not gonna. uh what you're hearing right now is the professional banter of professional podcasters uh listen to me professionally (laughs) listen to me professional podcasters like we've earned one red cent from (laughs) yeah i know right doing this oh no we're living no we're living a a robust uh, like a comfortable lifestyle with our patreon ha 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 (laughs) We're going to change that this year, folks. Uh, Yes, we are. I don't care if we have to beg you and whore ourselves out to get a dollar. We want to see a return on all this goodness that we've put out. What are we, like 225 episodes deep into this? I think it's about time that some of you start putting out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. We're asking for your consent, Ernesto, uh, in, you know passing along a few bucks to our patreon so we can keep this good show going keep the keep the songs of the week flowing mm, um mm. and you know keeping this tin roof over our heads we want some we record. action <laughs> yeah we do we do we want some action we want some satisfaction mm. So feel free to send titty pics to robots versus taxes <laughs> at gmail.com. That's robots vs taxes at gmail.com. Yeah. We promise to keep all pics anonymous. Um, I have Photoshop skills, so I can totally pixelate the faces. Um, but, uh, you know, let's let's start something here. Let's differentiate ourselves from your Joe Rogans and your Neil deGrasse Tysons, you know? <laughs> We're, yeah, we we definitely stand apart from those two. Uh, but, uh, uh, dude, um, you know, we've done this for a while. We've, Like you've said, we've done this for 225 episodes. Mm. And I feel like in those 225 episodes, I've made my political stances very clear. Very clear. Uh, where I'm just like, yes. Um, am I a socialist? Yes. Um, am I... You know, uh, I'm I, I just veer far to the left mm. as opposed to center left because I just uh, I, I just don't don't uh, don't agree with the pace 
with which progress is achieved in being center left. Hmm. Um, but, uh, but dude, um, uh, we've done this for a while and, uh, I want to know like uh, what's, what's a, uh, what specifically got you into politics? Let's start there. Like what got you interested into, in the political arena? Because we've been talking for a very long time. You and me have been friends for a long, long time. And I was just like, you know, um, you know, what got Ernesto started on this journey into the headache inducing and sometimes <laughs> very, very rewarding journey of being, you know, involved in uh, in the in the political arena. Hmm. Mm. Uh, wow, man. Really deep question. Thanks for thanks for asking that. Um, you know, I'm going to admit that when I was younger, high school, maybe early college, I was not extremely politically minded. I mean, I had some awareness of what was going on. Um, I, I was never super naive to think like, oh, America is the greatest country in the world and everything's great. And, uh, you know, um, but in regards to specifically getting into issues uh, that affect me and other marginalized groups, uh, I would say it was shortly, it was shortly before the rise of Barack Obama. Um, we saw him speak at the DNC National Convention back in, it was either 2004 or 2006. Uh, he gave like the keynote speech and just brought the house down. So that got him like on a national radar. Um, and in the years before that, there was, of course, the whole uh, fallout from 9-11, which I think kind of forced all Americans to take a more worldly view. Um, yeah. But definitely, if I had to mark a, a very specific point where definitely um, I got into politics, almost forced into politics, uh, I think it was when Barack Obama took office because it became so in your face and nakedly clear how racist this country was. And I I really, really felt on a, on a more conscious level that um, this country and my skin and the way that I'm perceived uh, is not anything that I could just ignore or be uh, kind of passive about. So I, I would say it was around that time and it's been nothing but steady anger ever since. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long, angry road. <laughs> Just angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely feel you there. Uh, I think, um, just touching a little bit, uh, on, on the Barack Obama presidency. Mm. Um, I think that at that point, my my political worldview was kind of became more hopeful. Mm. Um, because I was just like, okay, um, because I I I saw just the image of a black man as president of the United States for me felt like, um we were stepping into unknown territory, you hmm. know, with regards to how, not only how race is approached, but how a, you know, 
a black man would walk through difficult subject matter that has to do with with the arena of the of leading the free world you know Mm. Mm. so to speak uh and i was you know i i felt that that was uh it was just for me it was just like okay wow i think this country is ready for change it's ready for a significant change and what happened was um just a tour of the uglier realities around what happens when a black person is given any kind of power. It's like the white power structure around him reacts violently. Mm. Like I was just like, Oh, and then it results in uh, a reactionary, like reactionary politics that creates, you know, the the tea the what the tea party patriots and the fucking <laughs> the trumpers and all that shit hmm. uh and, and and yeah i i think that's that that's that was a kind of like a an open an opening of my eyes at that point but yeah continue please by by all means go on with uh with with um with well with that was the start of your your political journey right Yes, yes. And by okay. the way, I feel everything that you just said in regards to uh, feeling your eyes open up at the the way the country reacted uh, to Barack Obama. It was, you know, uh, no matter what kind of lingo is thrown out there, um, the base of that feeling, especially to any person of color who's at least semi-conscious, uh, is is so apparent it's just like yeah this is this is the same kind of reaction white america was having in the 50s and 60s at all the changes that was happening just just different vocabulary but as as time progressed i started reading more political theory uh discovering writers who have spoken far more eloquently about the subjects than i ever will um, on the experience of being a person of color uh, in America. Uh, W.B. Du Bois, uh, James Baldwin, uh, and many others. And it was, it's both exhilarating and depressing uh, because you realize that in this country, there's definitely been change. Um, but all that change has been really, really hard fought. Uh, there's one school of thought amongst white he- uh, hegemony where it's just like, you know, time will eventually sort all of this out. Uh, don't push it so much. You know, uh, and This is not a new thought. This is shit that they were saying back during the civil rights era. It's just like, look, just, just calm down. Everything will work itself out. You know, we're modern now. Um, every single step, though, has to be fought for which is depressing, but at the same time, it also gives me hope because everything that is good about America, everything that we have to be proud of, especially in relation to other parts of the world that haven't progressed to the point where we are, um, all that good is because of people of color and their allies in this country. 
which creates a weird dichotomy because all this rah, 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 America, red, white, and blue fireworks, barbecues, and all that kind of shit um, is entrenched in the fight that the marginalized have made uh, over the century in this country. But at the same time, we don't want to recognize it on a very conscious level. I guess that leads me into the the debate over CRT, critical race theory, in this country. It's just like, yeah, we want to be proud, but we don't really want to analyze what the fuck we're proud about. Yeah, I am. Um, for you know, uh, I I I definitely get that, especially that last uh, point that you made, where it it just feels like. Like, uh, okay, so just to to go back a little bit. Um, all right, so when Barack Obama was elected president, it was like, boom. Like, I felt like the Republican Party, like, made assertion. Like, they, they were the, the most prominent voices in the Republican uh, uh, political party were like, no, we're racists. And we're just not going to hide that anymore. You know, we're just going to double down on it. And, and it, it kind of like, it showed me that, uh, that I, I, I just feel like the more we step forward when it comes with, with regards to race, the further we step backwards, like there's this like pull back. And then it's just like, it's just, it, it, it's so weird for me to see that um, the white hegemonic system is just so ashamed of how black the black community has contributed so much to the history of this country. Like I, I, I just don't underst- understand why it's just it's just the this intense shame. Mm when it's like no this is a source of pride like we we can move forward and it's like no 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 we refuse to move forward and it's like oh, okay all right <laughs> so much so that like critical that race theory is just like such a hot topic now mm. Mm. such a hot topic um and and it's it, it, it i'm like astounded by it because i'm just like it's just history <laughs> that's what it like if you're if you're going to teach that if that's you're you're not only are you teaching like the uh, psychology that you should have but you should also know the history of this country and it's like and you know white people are just like no you know, and I don't know. I, I it, 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 that's that kind of chills me to the bone. It and yes, it does it push my politics a little further left. Yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of your political uh, ideologies, what like how how has it affected you? How has it affected like is it what what uh new like kind of philosophies or theories? I mean, you mentioned. James Baldwin, um, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois 
and um and uh i i'm just like uh like what like how how has that kind of formulated your theories on like like discussing politics you know like mm-hmm. does that like would you consider yourself like i don't know if you want to uh, label yourself and i don't want to do that for you um but like where where do you fall in that kind of in that category um i would consider myself far far left (laughs) um i'm definitely liberal uh in so much that my political philosophy stands for uh recognizing and making room for every marginalized group in this country that hasn't had a voice and just giving everybody uh, a seat at the table. Uh, Let me amend that slightly. Giving everybody a seat at the table to have their um, humanity recognized finally after decades, if not centuries, in this country. Uh, I would never want to be, and I never take seriously, the people who make all sides equal. And I think that's probably a big thing about... uh, when I start discussing politics with anybody, some people might argue like, oh, well, you know, why not pe- why not give people like Richard Spencer a seat at the table? It's just like, because he doesn't want other people to have seats at that table. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that always, that, uh, that, that, um, that point of view is always kind of humorous to me because that's kind of like the, um, you know, and I know his name has been it's is being circulated around a lot, but that's a very Joe Rogan kind of like. Mm. Let's hear him out. Mm. It's like, do you really want to hear out a person that doesn't want to hear other people out? Like mm. it's kind of like a snake eating its own tail kind of thing. It's mm. like that's. It's just like oh, but you know the best ideals the best ideas will just rise to the top, and those that are you know bad will just get destroyed in the marketplace. It's just like. That assumes that everybody is working off of a uh, logical basis. And we know that human beings inherently don't, uh, don't work primarily or solely off of a logical base. It's mostly what appeals to emotion. And we're not recognizing in this country that... Uh, for the most part, white hegemony is something that is appealed to emotionally, not logically, not critically. It's it, it it's it speaks to something you said before, like you almost don't understand how certain people can't uh, be open to learning what the actual history of this country is. It's because those very same people have been told from practically birth like you're the special ones you're the top of the pyramid you're the ones who are responsible for all of this wonderfulness that we see in this country the wealth the architecture the culture you it's all it's all because of you and i'm you know speaking to the white population when in fact it's not true I'm not going to say that there weren't white figures throughout American history that did some great things, 
But when you really look at those white figures, the ones who've really pushed society forward, their political philosophies don't align with people who are like who are like uh, Richard Spencer or uh, Ben Shapiro or anybody who's like a really, really deep conservative. Uh, it's it, there's this weird um, what's it called? Uh, uh, it, it's 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 this mental mis, uh, misalignment. I, I there's a specific term for it. I'm sure it'll it'll pop up. Um, cognitive dissonance. Thank you. That's uh, okay. That's what was in my. There's this weird cognitive dissonance that just keeps reverberating from generation to generation. Um, so for me, that pushes me. Uh, that pushes me to the left. I'm liberal. Um, I just want everybody who wants to just live their lives to have a seat at the table and to have a say. And unfortunately, that's diametrically opposed to what so many people in this country have been uh, brainwashed with. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, I. Uh, <clears throat> I think that like that that when people broach the subject of critical race theory they're just um like you said it's like this this kind of like uh indoctrination of being like oh no we're we're the special ones mm. right and this country has always been great <laughs> and we've never done anything wrong never and <laughs> yeah but yet, like, you know, we see, uh, like, like we, we, we've seen, uh, like, um, entertainment put out, educational entertainment put out, mm. like Roots. Mm. Um, you know, we were, we were discussing LeVar Burton, like, off, uh, like, when we weren't recording, mm. um, and, uh, with regards to Star Trek, but, but primarily Roots, like, when, uh, like, I know when I was growing up. Uh, that was on the TV and my, you know, we all kind of gathered around. We watched some of it. I wasn't allowed to watch some of the more gorier aspects because Roots got some, there were some moments where it got really intense. Mm. Um, but uh, it, it, it's, it's like when entertainment is put out there, educational entertainment is put out there. It kind of like, it, it like, to me, it surprises me that people are so opposed because this education is it is out there in dribs and drabs, not full like comprehensive like um, you know educational like uh, curriculum mm. ready points, mm. but it's been out there. Like people understand like where there's slaves, yes. Mm. Um, but that like then you get the the pullback which is like yeah there were slaves but that's not what the civil war was about and I, that to me is just like what how do you make that how, how is that uh, an an adjustment to your worldview if you know that the civil war was fought over something you know i, I don't know it's, i feel like uh... i'm you, you, you keep hitting it on the head, man. You keep hitting it yeah. on the head. It's, 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 and you know, the, the, the dribs and drabs, as you put it, um, that's done on purpose. 
that's what contributes to the narrative of, oh, but it was so long ago. Oh, but it was this. Oh, but it was that. Or, but, oh, we got rid of slavery. It's just like, I'm pretty sure it was slaves that prompted slavery to go away. It's not like enslaved Africans were brought over here and it was just like, ah, you know, we'll do this for a while and then I'm sure something else will come along. From the very first people who were dragged onto those ships, they were fighting on those boats, sometimes jumping over the side uh, and choosing death as opposed to being enslaved. And for that to go on for centuries in this country, fighting, running away from plantations, revolts, it was essentially an untenable situation from the very beginning, but the way it's presented to the American public for the most part, they make it seem like it was just a bump on the road, like it was almost a misunderstanding. It's just like, do you understand that America as we know it today, in, in every real and measurable sense, would not be America had it not been for slavery? And for you to think it was just a bump in the road, uh, it's 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 so devoid of any actual uh, deep skeptical look into America's past. That's that's so scary. I mean, slavery was the start of capital of America. There's no right. two. There's no two ways about it. It, we didn't have we didn't have exports uh, that in and of themselves were were just so valuable that they gave America the vast wealth that it had. Like you want to talk about cotton? How would we get that cotton? <laughs> we didn't have right. machines. <laughs> what was the means of production there? <laughs> and then. But then you'll get detractors being like, yeah, but that's not what the, you know, that's uh, that's not what the Civil War was about, you know, and critical race theory, all it will do was will p make people mad. And um, and, and like I've seen a few TikTok videos where, you know, they'll have like some guy on the street interviewing you know, these Trumpers who will just be like, well, why don't you like, I think it's the good liars. Mm. Um, they're like, well, why don't you like, what, why are you opposed to critical race theory? And then I think one of the more common answers is, oh, it'll make people mad. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, yeah, it should make you mad. <laughs> <laughs> it should, it should uh, allow you to confront feelings that things should change, you know? Hmm. And, and and the the concept of redlining, the concept of othering, the concept hmm. of, you know, all, all these these racial obstacles that stand in the way of the black community should be addressed in a very blunt kind of manner because I don't know. I, I just feel like um if we choose that whole political ideology of like let's hear everybody out um we get nowhere mm. we don't it just it just it just runs in place and you, i don't know and you would think by this point it becomes so apparent it's not like we we don't um we don't humor people who advocate for uh child labor 
we don't humor people who think that uh, we should completely do away with electricity and go back to a more archaic way of living. It's just just those two concepts alone, which may not, which some might argue may not be directly comparable to to slavery. In more ways than not, they do because we know that those concepts are either impossible to return to or are abhorrent. But somehow the idea in this country that fully humanizing black people, fully humanizing people of color, and part of the way in which you do that is history, and that's proven by the amount of European history we've all learned uh, through elementary school, junior high school, and high school. And I haven't even been to Europe yet. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, that's the, right. co- that's the complete foundation of America. And I look around, it's, I mean, especially somebody who lives in New York, maybe if you live in like the Midwest, uh, it's not as apparent to you, but like I'm seeing all these different kind of people and I'm just like, all these people contribute to this country. All these people have had some hand in building this country. Why don't I learn about their histories? Why don't I learn about my history to the extent that I learn about white people's history? And there's a very there's a very specific reason to that. And it's not it's not the whole we did everything uh, justification that in one way or another, uh, white hegemony tr- tries to uh, purport to the public. Um that is a very real problem. And, and and not to just keep spinning the wheels on this, but I keep wondering, um, since we're kind of like on the cusp of a real paradigm shift in this country, we know that the population is changing. We know in, in about 20, 25 years, uh, white people and non-white people will be equal in regards to physical percentages of the population in this country. And then shortly thereafter, white people will become the minority. They know this. We know this. And it's scaring the shit out of them. Um, Oh, yeah. See how they're acting now. It's like fucking, (laughs) there's just like, that like, we elected, they elected Trump, you know, Um, just, just out of a sheer fear of that, that their ounce of, of power is shifting. Not only is it shifting, but the racial like spotlight has shown down on white people more so than it has because it used to be like shown down specifically on black people mm. and just you know uh, other people of color and now it's just like hey you know now it's like the 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 spotlight is on you like what are you contributing to this kind con- you know mm. to the to the dialogue mm. like what are you what have you done and then people are just like they're they're clutching their pearls and they're just like oh well you know I'm just gonna start my my own tea party and you know uh, QAnon and such and then it's like you know it begets all these kind of fringe elements and you have people like Steve Bannon who are just like we need more white babies just straight up we need more white babies uh, they know it's it's a matter of numbers and population and a certain amount of power comes with that and I. I mean, I think it's apparent to anybody uh, who's at least semi-observant that the current tactics, especially uh, being employed by Texas to make it really difficult for women to get abortions, 
um, is a play to try to somehow influence that number from changing. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, um, and, and, and again, like going back into the realm of like your, your political ideology, like this, all this stuff that you've, that you've seen since the since Barack Obama was first campaigning was it when he was first starting to launch his campaign or was it already when he was when he became president it was when he was launching his campaign they uh, okay yeah people whoo man you you just saw old white women at some of these conservative conventions just like he he's not competent to be uh, the president i was just like he's a senator <laughs> like you know yeah i i i i don't that again it's it falls into that whole other othering mm. of you know of uh of someone of color who's just like like he a he can't be american mm. oh b uh he's not one of us like it's just like uh, it's like kind of like uh you know he's not competent um uh, uh, we don't know what, what uh, like he, he, I think he's a socialist. Mm. He comes from Kenya, you know, let's see his birth certificate. Hmm. Um, he was born in Hawaii. Uh, but really, what does that mean? <laughs> and it's like, uh, and, and, and it's just kind of like, I, I can see how that, those kinds of reactions push you like they almost radicalize you towards the left because there's just like wow these people are like obviously there is a huge disconnect between me and them mm. right so so i i think i'm gonna educate myself and you know y'all do whatever the fuck it is that you guys are gonna do mm. um but uh but they can't escape it. Like, they like no matter how much uh, how much they try to like put the the lid on this kind of like uh, thinking critically about race and how that informs uh, politics. The more it starts to ebb and flow, uh, it, it just like leaks out here and there. And. I know I've touched on this point before, but it's like, yeah, it's it's the entertainment industry. One of the big hot topics, like of a few of like a, a couple of years ago, was when Watchmen addressed the um, the Tulsa, uh, the, Tulsa the black, race, the t yeah, the Tulsa race ma massacre, mm. uh, the bombing of Black Wall Street, and people were like, "What's that?" <laughs> What, what you know there were a lot of people a lot of white people who were just like what was that what happened there and it's like uh and here is my inner voice where it's like i don't understand you know uh black people play your basketball games they play your football games hmm. they make all the music that you love they influence your culture in every like in every which way possible they're responsible for like a wealth of contributions, not just culturally, but structurally embedded in the, in the fibers of this country. And, and you still have to turn to a, a TV show about superheroes <laughs> to learn about something that should be taught in textbooks. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. So, <sighs> uh, this is this is we're gonna be angry for a long, long time. Uh, but I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping we're like Batman fighting <laughs> fighting the Rogues Gallery. That's it's just you're we're just gonna be doing this forever, aren't we? <laughs> I uh, damn I, I, I that that's a damn good comparison. But I, I'm hoping that. You know, in a few short decades, um, we we're going to see a at least the beginnings of that fundamental shift in this country, where it's just like, oh yeah, no, we should have been studying this this material the whole time, and we're we're going to be better for it. I mean, uh, except for the extreme uh, fringe who would argue that you know, women and black people should have never gotten the right to vote or have all the same rights. I don't think anybody would really argue that having as strong a workforce uh, that we have in this country, not that the workforce is treated or paid fairly, but it's definitely far stronger because we have a, a diverse base to go into every aspect of uh, work life in this country. Um, has made our economy, uh, when it's clicking along well, in many ways, the envy of the world. Uh, does that economy work for everybody? Nope. And it still needs to be adjusted in order to do so. But in just regards of sheer strength, uh, that diversity has played a large part in making it so. Um, when we get to the future, hopefully we will see that being fair and uh, distributing opportunity and wealth uh, to the to the population as a whole, um, the working class, the lower class, working poor, whatever labels you want to put, is far better than having it concentrated at the very top uh, of a very few hands uh, that really don't care about anybody in this country, much less uh, marginalized groups. So you're advocating for a redistribution of wealth. I'm advocating for a redistribution of wealth that should, that is, uh, that is equanimical to the amount of labor that is put into the economy. Because right now, the wealth concentration is equal to theft from the working class and from the poor there is absolutely no reason why there needs to be mega billionaires in this country while people starve, while people are homeless. It makes absolutely no fucking sense unless you subscribe to the whole meritocracy theory, which is complete and utter bullshit. It's complete and utter bullshit and it's been proved over and over again, especially during this pandemic. All these fucking business owners who are just like, nobody wants to work. Nobody wants to work. Well, since you make several times the salary of your lowest paid employed employees, why can't you just do the work? Oh, did I, I thought you earned it. Doesn't that mean you can do everybody's job? Get the fuck out of here with that. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work. Um. I wish I could hug you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Same here, but fucking COVID, man. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, COVID has really kind of shown uh, that kind of 
that that side to the capitalistic system right Hmm. the meritocracy of it all where it's like um where people for the first time are like yeah i'm not gonna go into work fuck this like i i i uh, uh, i'm getting paid what like 550 an hour 750 an hour Mm. to like possibly get covid Mm. just so i can uh either put things in boxes or like you know like what was it um what did eric adams say uh it's like uh driving cars and sweeping floors and 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 you know backbreaking labor you know like like electricians like all that shit where where eric adams can like scoff his 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 scoff and 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 like kind of furrow his brow and be like ah they'll never make they'll never get a corner office it's like they make this this country run like have some fucking respect yes give them like more give them fair wages it's like enough with this fucking horse shit oh man uh should we talk about superheroes or are we gonna <laughs> let's uh let's talk about superheroes before like okay we punch our screens <laughs> <laughs> oh man you know what what uh, just another thing that just really quick something that pissed me off today that i read was one of the doctors that's like one of the heads of the anti-vax movement he's a doctor who is fervently anti-vax but what uh, what kind sp- of doctor though like is he a proctologist he, like what the no nah, <laughs> he's he's he i think he's a medical he's like a a, a medical doctor or whatever mm. um he but he's for, he's like a, a joe rogan uh he's one of the guys uh, joe rogan gets consultations for for like being anti-vax i think i know who you're talking about uh, i forget his name Ro- robert but. robert something yeah um, yeah <laughs> Um, but he, uh, did a speech today, you know, he, 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 he did, a, a, a like some kind of, I don't know what, whatever, a speech, uh, in, like in, a, in front of an assembly of people. And he said that, um, he cited Martin Luther King and, um, I think he was trying to make the analogy that, you know, um, the, uh, people who are anti-vax are being persecuted just like Martin Luther King was back. You know, it's 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 it, it, it was it it never ceases to um, elicit kind of an uh, an eye roll so hard that I get a migraine. Like I, I roll my eyes so hard that like I feel like I'm gonna get a seizure um, when white when white uh, conservatives uh, and like just co- conservative voices who are just uh, opposed to any kind of progress like advocating for ad- for the simplest action of just getting a vaccine in in the in the midst of a pandemic when they cite Martin Luther King because they have no heroes of their own oh so let me give that a <laughs> clap because that's so fucking true so fucking true white hegemony I know you're listening just look at your history. There's a reason you have never produced a Martin Luther King Jr. Ah, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
What do you want to hit first, Boba Fett or Peacemaker? <laughs> uh, let's hit uh, Peacemaker because I'm not caught up on what is it um, uh, episode. I think I've watched the first three episodes of Boba Fett. Yeah, I think it's episode four. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. Um, but Peacemaker, I saw the first two episodes of that. And what'd you think, dude? Uh, James Gunn, he, I think he's about to become the new golden boy of Hollywood because whatever he touches, uh, the quality just fucking, <laughs> it goes through the roof. Like he took, yeah, he took the Suicide Squad, right? And everybody still had the bad taste in their mouth from the first movie. And uh, he made it something fun. I was like, wow, yeah. this is a movie. It's a fucking movie. Um, right. Even if you if you don't know a fucking shred about any of these characters, you can watch that movie and have a great time. It's just it's just uh, well done. And so uh, and the, what he's managed to do with Peacemaker, first of all, if I was going to choose any character from the Suicide Squad to have a a show. I don't know if I would have chosen Peacemaker. He didn't strike me as such an interesting person or anybody likable enough to center a show around. But Me some, too. Yeah, me too. Somehow James Gunn did it. Like I was just like, oh, he added some sort of complexity to this character. And the thing is, I'm not even completely on board yet with him as a person because I was just because like, wow, he did some foul shit in the Suicide Squad. But um they're putting him in different situations and showing him um, kind of breaking away the surface of who he is to show like, ah, all right. He's, he's just a broken guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a sad, broken man, you know, in a, in a sonic, dis sonic boom dispersing <laughs> helmet. Wow. That first episode, when he did that, when he was like, initiate Sonic Boom, I I laughed so hard, man. <laughs> A, because he sounded so scared, and B, because he was in his underpants, <laughs> and he looked like a scared little boy, which is like weird, because John Cena is a big dude. He's a big dude. <laughs> And, uh, and and just for him to be like, oh, God, you know, <laughs> initiate Sonic Boom. I thought it was hilarious. Can I ask you a question? What, yeah. what was that woman that he had the one night stand with? Like, she was obviously not just human. What was she? Oh, they reveal that, I think, in episode three. So I'm not going to give that away. Oh, OK. All right. Good looking out. <laughs> yeah um fuck it reveal it it's a it's a fucking show <laughs> this is she's i mean it's there there are definitely medic human targets mm -hmm. and she was kind of given like there is some kind of weird um i i'm dare i say alien conspiracy oh. um afoot um with uh, uh you know w w in retaliation towards peacemaker and his mission hmm which is um which i i'm just like i'm kind of like always amazed when they give uh, uh dc does this a lot especially like with a, a, a there's another show that they have called a uh, uh, doom patrol mm. where they give um 
the Doom Patrol, which is like these reject superheroes um, who are all kind of like just kind of bickering and seemingly incapable of handling their own business, much less anybody else's. <laughs> they give them an unbeatable villain. Um, and somehow by the skin of their teeth, they beat them. And that's kind of how I feel like with Peacemaker. I'm just like, I don't know how he's going to beat whatever kind of alien conspiracy is, is surround, like is, is his mission. Like, I don't, I don't know how he's going to do it because for the, for right now, he's just, he's just kind of like a, a dicky Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> he's just bumbling through everything. Like, yes. <laughs> the scene alone where he was discharged from the hospital and he had a conversation with the janitor who apparently they had had one occasion where they smoked weed together. So he thought <laughs> he thought they were friends and he was just like, can I trust you with something? He was like, no, no, you can't. I, <laughs> I'm untrustworthy. I know we smoked weed once, but no, I'm not going to keep your secret. Um, then when he it finally dawned on the uh, janitor that like, oh, you're Peacemaker. You're that racist piece of shit that... <laughs> He's like, you kill a lot of like, you kill a lot of people of color. Like, he's like, well, I promise from now on, I'm gonna kill white people exclusively or some shit like that. Just... But I wonder if if they're associating Peacemaker with his father, hmm. who is like a real son of a bitch. <laughs> Apparently, he's revealed to be uh, at the end of the second episode some sort of high-ranking member of the Aryan nation. Uh, yeah. Like the White Dragon or some shit like that. I was just like... Yeah. First of all, that actor, uh, former T-1000. Uh, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. Man, he... Uh, I felt like this isn't the first time he's played a racist. He just does it way too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get that. I've, I've seen him play a Southerner before, but mm. I, don't, I don't know. I think this... this yeah, you're right. There's just something about the way he has like that kind of like where he embodies that character where you're just like, you've done this before, haven't you? <laughs> I really hope this isn't method acting. I really hope not. Yeah, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> T-1000, really? He's a bigot? No. <laughs> you're supposed to be no, a I'm cold glad <laughs> calculating machine. Now you're glad what? I'm glad they dunked him in a fucking, you know, hot steel bath that's right <laughs> <laughs> where he's like you know before he dies it's like you you know <laughs> <laughs> oh, the storm is coming <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck um yeah but um what was your favorite part of yeah. uh what, what was your favorite part of the first two episodes so far um, my favorite part of the first two episodes, um, I got to say the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Peacemaker has possibly the best intro to, to any show going right now. Uh, th that's an unskippable intro, uh, for one. I, I think the moment we're eagerly hugged, uh, um, Peacemaker was one of the most surreal and funniest things I've ever scene because the whole time he was just like oh my god dad the literal symbol for the uni for the united states of america is hugging me and his dad's like long gone he's like dad dad you know 
That was so good. <laughs> and that other part that you brought up before we were, were recording that uh, where he's talking to his dad, he's like, he's recounting the events of Suicide Squad. And he's like, you know, um, uh, and, you know, there was this girl that controlled rats and this guy who was a crazy assassin, a blood sport, his name was. You know, he's afraid of rats and he was just like screaming like a bitch every time he saw a rat. <laughs> and he's like, and his dad's like, yeah, he's not the one that shot you, right? And he's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> anyway, you know, the fries here are great, right? You know. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. <laughs> so many, so many great comedic moments. I think for some reason, well, first of all, I got to say that Eagly is my favorite CGI animal ever. Uh, th- th- <laughs> I don't know how they fit so much personality into a computerized eagle, but he's just, every time I see him on screen, I was just like, he's hilarious. There was a point where Peacemaker is talking to the crew uh, in the diner. He first gets there and he uh, refers to a local waitress as, um, what, what what was it, sugar buns? Sweet cheeks. Sweet cheeks. Sweet cheeks. <laughs> sugar buns. And one of the sorry, that's uh, uh, I think that's your nickname. But uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, you remember. <laughs> but uh, one of the crew looks out at his uh, gaudy American print car in the parking lot. He's just like, "Is that an eagle in your car?" And it's just a faraway shot of Eagley in the back seat going, "Gah!" You know, I was like, <laughs> I was like, "That is hilarious. That is hilarious." I kind of also like that Eagly like sticks his head out of the car like a dog, <laughs> like when they're driving. He's like, ah, yeah. It's, it's like that is genius. That's just genius. Um, but uh, I actually think we should cap it here. Yes, yes. Um, is if that's cool. That's cool. Um, because I think we're running out of time. Uh, so. You know, if you like this, support our Patreon and catch us again next week as we deliver more of our uh, of our political musings um, and forays into pop culture. I am Pav. And I'm Ernesto. And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program on Radio Free Brooklyn. And while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the week. <laughs> <laughs>